Welcome to Overboost 54. Overboost is a podcast interview series featuring discussions with speedrunners about their history in speedrunning and gaming and the runs they're passionate about. I am your host, PMC Trilogy, and with me today is Heinke. Heinke, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much, and hello. <laughs> so, I always like to start these off with some current events, and mm-hmm. uh, and the cur- I feel like the biggest current event for you right now uh, is kind of, I, I think you just marked recently, I was looking at your, your Twitter timeline, uh, 100 days of, of parenthood. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and this is this is a good thing to dive into. My past few guests have all been college students, which there's nothing yeah. wrong with being a college student. You know, shout outs to, to Kona and, and Mifa and some of the other people <laughs> I've had on recently. But, you know, I also really like getting into speedrunning at various stages of, of life because, you know, parenting does take time, but also I, I know people who are speedrunners uh, you know, and fit that into their life somehow. Another one that comes to mind um, is is Yelzreak, who is the Marble Madness speedrunner, who has been the GDQ, uh-huh. who has gotten partnered on Twitch recently, you know, who's done all these things, and also has you know a, a daughter that he cares very much for. Uh, uh-huh. And so I wanted to check in with you, uh, you know, just to ask how is how is gaming and speedrunning uh, hanging around in your life. After you know a hundred days of learning what parenting is like, and also oh. congratulations by the way. I mean, too. <laughs> that's <you>. also important. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, I guess it's it's more time consuming, of course. Like you're twenty four hours sitting with your daughter, especially at the early stages, taking care of her and playing with her, doing things like it's even like with work. Um, the first three weeks I took off from work so I can just spend time with the family and get used to being a father. And obviously it is very different and interesting. Like I'm before I did not have always time to sit in front of a computer and play games. And now it's like, okay, four days ago, I couldn't even sit in front of a computer unless it was for work. And now I'm sitting in front of a computer. I'm like, I have finally time. (laughs) So it is, it is like really cool. Like when, when you have the time and you can just enjoy playing games, doing some runs, and then just go offline, and then okay, back to being a father mm. so, or a parent in this case. So it's it's really cool. I enjoy it at least, definitely. <laughs> Do you feel like you can see? I'm mean, obviously right now you're you're dealing with the the early stages of taking care of a child, mm. and from I haven't had that experience myself, but from talking to friends, you know, kids kids develop pretty rapidly over the first yeah. uh, you know few years, and so I imagine this will this will change, but one thing I wanted to ask is that because, you know, there might have been times in your life when you could have maybe dumped some amount of time into learning a game like Deus Ex or Tiberian Sun mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, do you feel like you're you're going to look at that that differently now? Like, do you, do you think you're going to be less likely to, to pick up new games or do you think you're going to be, you know, uh, have a different approach, maybe like take more notes or something like that uh, if you're trying to to learn a new game? I guess it's kind of like a mixture. Like, yes, I would probably look up stuff more before I do them. Like, Mm -hmm. just make notes, um, how do glitches work, if they're tutorials, watch the run themselves multiple times so that I'm kind of prepared that kind of like... Mm, dry practice so that before I actually do it I already have all the notes and the theory in mind so that when I sit in front of a computer I can try to execute them immediately and remember most of the patterns now like that is 
I think the approach I do normally now, like even if there are like changes in like older runs, like in Human Revolution or Deus Ex, like I always look in through the runs whenever I have time, like on YouTube, on my phone, just to see like, oh, okay, this is the new strat, so I know what to uh, to do, put them in my to-do list, and then when I have the time, I'll just try to copy them. And if I have issues I already know where to look for, or I can just contact the people who already executed those glitches, and then I can just ask. But uh, besides that, I think that would be the, the strategy would be the same, mm. depending on the time, of course. Like, sure. Uh, no, normally, I just look up a tutorial or I just stream how I'm learning it, and the people who are interested like join and just give hints or tips whenever something is not done correctly. So I mostly try to do it this way. But obviously, uh, it depends. Like if, when my my wife has time and she says like, yeah, okay, I can take care of her. I'll do it. If there is no time, then I'll just do it. Like the dry practice, yeah. So no, all the information. I, I think that ma- that makes sense a lot. I, one of my um, one of my best buds uh, who I who helps we co-host a, another podcast. Uh, he, mm-hmm. I think he might be around the same mark you are, maybe like two months instead, like a little little oh, behind okay, you. Cool. Um, <laughs> but you know, hearing him talk about what you know what he can do. What, obviously, he's not streaming, so it's easy for him mm-hmm. to to pause resident evil eight and yeah, you know okay. and take care of it as needed you know as opposed to you know streaming which is a little different because maybe you can take breaks but generally you know you want to you know you want to be somewhat active somewhat present mm-hmm. um but also you brought up another point though even besides finding resources that you can look at while you're you know taking care of your, of your child there's also the point that you're connected into a, a social network of speedrunners generally you know spe- yes. specific communities but also broadly you know even even if you even if you were doing a game that no one had done before you would probably mm-hmm. have people who know speedrunning watching you and yeah. and that is that can can help for sure yeah, definitely. Like, there's a group, like, uh, they're famous from ESA for the Awful Games block. Mm. Like, um, I have a lot of contact with those uh, friends of mine, and they always just pick up a new game, and they just, they just utterly destroy it because nobody was running it, and they're like, what, what the hell? What, what kind of game did you find, and why are we running it? It's, like, always hilarious to, to see and watch it, and it's, I, I love that. So even in terms, like, when it's a complete new run, I would just say, like, hey, you guys want to destroy it with me? And they would just completely take it apart. So it's, it's always hilarious to watch, especially when I look at the marathons, when they prepare those run, runs, and then they just showcase it, and it's oh, fabulous. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff, too. And I'm, I'm sure if you mentioned... Some of the people involved in that group, I would probably recognize a few of those names. Uh, I've always, <laughs> always, I, I think maybe my favorite segments of ESA marathons are those awful game relays. I truly beautiful, beautiful uh, pieces of work. All of them, shout outs. All right, let's um, let's go back in time a little bit. I want to. One of the things I like to start with, of course, I like to do this as sort of chronologically as possible, and sure. uh, I'm going to ask you now. What is your origin story with gaming generally? Like, how does video gaming get into your life? Is it, you know, from family, friends? Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I, I think I remember was when I had an SNES and my mother got it for me and I was playing Donkey Kong Country on it. Uh, it's, it's even con- connected with a hilarious story. So first of all, I always deleted all the save files. 
like how many kids did that so Wait. my mother was playing yeah <laughs> so my mother was playing the games and was progressing in them and because i couldn't read i was just deleting pressing every button until i got the game starting so my mother was pretty frustrated and stopped playing the games <laughs> so she just let me play them and the thing i remember was i was playing donkey kong country like like it's it's just a tiny bit of my memory mm. but i I can't forget it. Like, I, I don't know how old I was. My mother always told, tells me that I was like three, four years old. And um, she wanted to cut my hair. So she distracted me by playing Donkey Kong Country, cut my, uh, shaved my head off, and then put my hand on the head. And it was like, <gasps> my hair is gone. And I started screaming. That's all I remember <laughs> from that situation. <laughs> but uh, that is like the first part i remember from gaming when i was a child i i um, have so many questions about this okay have you ever yeah, gone sure. like i assume i assume three-year-old hanky was probably not it, dkc can be a pretty hard game so i assume you weren't beating dkc as a three-year-old no definitely have, not have you I ever gone back I was, yeah i that is interesting that you mentioned it because like after i finished studying like Six years ago, I wanted to replay them because I, I remember playing them as a kid, but I never finished them. So mm. I said, like, so I sat with a couple of friends and said, like, "Hey, do you want to do a Donkey Kong Country race?" And so we did. So we did all three games, like not in one session, but we did all three games like one after another after like two, three weeks of a break in, mm. in a blind playthrough and finished them on a, as a race. So that was some fun time I had with a game, and I really enjoyed it. It's a cool game. Now, maybe more important. Did your mother ever finish DKC? I'm not sure. I maybe, but I I kind of doubt it because I deleted her safe all that often. <laughs> so I would need to ask her actually. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, my uh my my wife is a huge Donkey Kong Country fan and she's she's in chat there and she's sort of uh, uh, she also had a really, you know my I I was raised by very old parents uh, who who never really connected with video games at all. I, I think the closest was my my father. My father claimed when I was a kid that he had played Rad Racer on the NES with my brother, uh, but but neither of my parents ever really really got into it. So it's been funny to hear. You know, I think my my wife has sort of similar stories to sharing mm-hmm. a Super Nintendo. Um, you know, with with her her parent uh, to you. That's a that's a good one. How about okay? So that's a that's a pretty early memory, you know, of your of your your parent kind of supplying you with uh, with some goods there. Uh, going forward from there, what are some what are some more memories of really connecting with uh, with with games? Like, because you know, I feel like three is kind of distant. Like you you barely have an yeah, idea definitely. of possessing a game. You don't even think of it as my Super Nintendo at that point. Yeah. Uh, as I said, like I, that is like only that flash of a memory. I just remember I was doing the train track stage and mm. suddenly my hair was gone and that, that is all the memory i remember from that scene back then uh, but the the memory i mostly have from my childhood when i played games was on the pc and that was heroes of might and magic 3 and also like age of empires so those were really the first games where i was like digging into gaming was like wow an entire new world opened for me interesting so because I was curious, so you mentioned Age of Empires and Heroes of, uh, of Might and Magic 3. Uh, you know, one of the things I like to ask about is, uh, you know, w- when it comes to the, the games that people speedrun, some of those games mm-hmm. end up being childhood games that people come back to because either they, they want revenge or, you know, or they really do enjoy <laughs> the game. 
uh, and you know, yeah. and want to play. Um, and so, looking at your repertoire, I know a lot of people. Like, I've been saying, like, oh, I'm interviewing Heinke, who's who's run Deus Ex games, and people recognize that. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, one of the other videos that you sent me, and I was glad you sent it to me because I probably would have asked about it anyway. Was uh, Tiberian's Son? Was Tiberian's Son one yeah. of those strategy games that you would have played back then? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Like uh, that is how the history started for me. I was back then with Heroes of Might and Magic and the Age of Empires. There were so many other um, RTS games back then. Like nowadays, it's not that popular anymore. Yeah. But the genre back then was huge and when i started to play command and conquer like red alert and then there was also battle realms and so many other games i have never heard of and i was like amazed and i loved rts games from that point on and so i always i still love to play them it's just sadly the genre is kind of dying yeah and back then i watched the Cody do a run of tiberian sun and i was like holy shit this game looks amazing i, I want to learn i want to learn it and when i took the time and learned it i was like yes this is such a good speed run first of all nostalgia and the other one is it's just broken and it's an rts game and it's like ah that's my love <laughs> yeah the rts i mean rts genre in the late 90s i feel like everyone has their sort of their own i mean you mentioned already some of the ones that are big age of empires i was definitely like a red alert 2 kid red alert 2 was probably the peak of of rts stuff for me did you ever get into playing them uh competitively in like a multiplayer at all i mean they're very difficult games to play multiplayer yeah um i i was playing back then like starcraft 2 Okay. That was like the first time I really got competitive. I, I played Warcraft 3 competitively, but I was like, okay. Like, whenever I had the time, I did some matches with friends or against friends. That was it. But back then, uh, when I was doing my A-levels in Germany, I started to play a lot of StarCraft 2. And I even got into the Grandmaster ranking and played against the pros. So that was pretty cool for me back then. But the problem was like... Uh, my grades started to drop, and then I had to decide: okay, do I go for my my school? Like, do I take care of my education, or do I play more StarCraft Two? And then I started to play less and lesser. Got worse, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna stop playing StarCraft. <laughs> but uh, still, when I that is like the the my biggest achievement when I think of RTS gaming. That mm. I that I got to Grandmaster, I was like, yes, I'm happy now, and that's it. But when I when I recently played uh, StarCraft 2 again, I, I just felt like, yeah, let's do some ranked. I just got into gold, and then I was like, okay, never mind. I, I'm too old now. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you mentioned we just had a discussion here about PC RTS games, but you know, it started with um, with Super Nintendo console stuff. Have you mm-hmm. had you kept up with console stuff at at all while you're doing the PC RTS things, or are you mostly mostly PC gamer? Um, that was back when kind of like an issue my mother only co- could get me an snes and mm. that was like the only console i had for for that time being but then my stepfather came to the family and he had a pc and then he started he was basically playing those games okay and i was always watching him play him and then i said like oh i want to try it and he's like sure here you go try it and then he left uh, had to learn had to go to the army and i was just using his pc and just play the games he basically introduced me into pc gaming told me how to start the game what to do like if i remember back when i couldn't read like i had Mm. no idea what i was doing i was Mm. he was just just memorizing the steps i had to do (laughs) and basically that's how i i got into it 
Interesting. No, that's that's yeah. fascinating. I mean, it's not. I guess not surprising because I, I I think I had an experience where I had an older sibling who you know like went off to college and left like a genesis behind. Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of thing. Oh, okay. And so that was you know I, I had some interaction with it that way. Uh, now this is speedrun interview podcast, so we're going to be mostly focused on single player games. Uh, but of course, I did want to ask. I already asked specifically about RTS multiplayer mm-hmm. games. Are there other big phases for you in terms of multiplayer gaming you know and that could be anything that could be mmos mobas i mean certainly mobas are descended from rts's anyway mm. uh yeah. have you been into any stuff like that yeah of course like when i think back then uh, <laughs> but it's kind of like a funny story like i i loved warcraft 3 mm. and i was playing it all with all the fun maps online and then I went to the store with friends and we saw World of Warcraft. So every one of us thought, oh my god, it's Warcraft 4. Like, nobody, are, like, we didn't know what it is. So I bought it, installed it, and was like, wait a second, this is not an RTS. So I was really, I remember it because I was really pissed. I put the, the game back, got it to the store and said, like, what is this nonsense? I don't want this game. And then a week later, I was like, but it looked interesting. So I went back to the store, bought the game, and started playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> And how long? And was, how long did you stick with it? I, I mean, are you still playing it or? Uh, no, nah, not really. I, I, back when I played from the original time, um, until the Burning Crusade. Okay. And so, like, for a first add-on with a friend yeah. of mine, like my best buddy back then, and then after Burning Crusade, I stopped and I never touched uh, World of Warcraft again until last year. But then I played Wrath of the Lich King like on a private server because I was like, hey, I. I missed so many add-ons. I just want to see what what is there, like what is happening after I left. And so I played there that that game for a year last year, and then I stopped because I was like, okay, it's very time-consuming. I I got my goal, which was basically finish a raid with the Lich King. We we slayed him, and then I never touched the game again. Mm. <laughs> so you you were not uh, attracted at all by the Siren Song of Classic. That was not something that affected you. No, because I played classics too much back then, mm-hmm. and uh, I did PvP, I did PvE, I had all the instances already, and uh, back then there was the ranking system with like uh, rank 14 to 1, so that you can get good PvP gear, and I I had that all of all of that already. I was seeing like, okay, people are looking for classic, and I was like, I played classic too much, I, I don't want to touch it. <laughs> so I was like, nah, I'm looking for... But that is how I got inspired to try Wrath of the Lich King, because mm. I was like, okay, I'm not maybe interested in Classic, but I never played Wrath of the Lich King, so let's try that one. And there we are. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting. I I, had, uh, I was in, I guess, high school around the time of Vanilla mm-hmm. WoW when that was first out. Uh, I guess maybe yeah. you, know, you were too. Yeah, and um, And... I never played it myself, but I had a bunch of friends did, so I, I was like secondhand exposed. Like, I know... Uh, Ragnaros is in Molten Core, etc. You know <laughs> things like that. Uh, but without ever having played the game, and it's been interesting to see, you know, who is stuck with retail, who's gone to classic. I had friends playing on, uh, you know, on a vanilla classic server, private, um, mm-hmm. uh, before before uh, you know the the uh, uh, official classic came out. So it's been yeah. interesting to see what what people go to. I'm very entertained by that story though about. Uh, Warcraft three, and you know, thinking that World of Warcraft would just be because <laughs> I, I, I don't know, Warcraft three was fun. I had a lot of fun with those campaigns, and also, yeah. uh, you know, the MOBA that I played the most was 
uh, Dota All Stars, of course, via you know Frozen yeah. Throne uh, custom maps. Uh, you mentioned you did play some custom maps. Did you play much Dota at all? Yeah, I played a lot of Dota. Okay. Like I remember there was a German gaming show back then, which was on TV, and they basically showed like every evening like diff- new games and fun ma- games and one scene was like all about modding so they were always showing mods for games and how to install them like kind of like a guide uh, in official tv and they showed like oh hey here are fun maps in walker 3 this is how you in- you do it you go in online then you download the map and then you can play it and then i saw dota and was like oh this looks cool i want to try it and <laughs> there i was starting to dig into all the fun maps there are so many it's 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 crazy like I remember spending so many weekends with friends just playing online Warcraft three fun maps because there's so many. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it, it mean, amazing. <laughs> Dota, of course, is the one everyone remembers now. But you know, yeah. there was um, I think the other ones like like Moo Moo's Adventure, um, yeah. oh Vampirism, Green Tag TD, yeah. Um, the the, like um, the DBZ RPG was really fun. <laughs> 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 I remember that one. That was really great. Like going, like uh, the farming strat just to die and then training in hell and then go back. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, that was that so was definitely good. an interesting time, and I think it was it was an interesting time too because, like a lot, you know, a lot of times you would go in and you would download the map via the in-game browser, but if mm-hmm. you tried to do that with Dota. People had the. Did you ever? Did you ever experiment with the like the utilities, like the the WC3 ban list and w.getdota.com and stuff? Oh, I never tried those. No. Okay. I always used the normal uh, browser in Warcraft Free. Okay. Yeah. No. So well, I mean, so w.getdota.com is just exactly what it sounds like. It was just a website where you could download the most recent map of ah, okay. Dota All Stars, and at some point, the Dota culture had developed to the point. Where, you know, people are, <laughs> this may surprise some people, folks are quite toxic in MOBAs, you know, <laughs> that happens. And so that was true right from the start, because if you showed up to a lobby where you're trying to get people for a game of Dota, mm. uh, and you were downloading the map in the browser, in the in the custom map <laughs> browser, it was evidence that you weren't serious about Dota. You weren't really in on Dota because you were downloading it inside the the map browser instead of pulling it from from the website, and so we would have this utility called uh, WC3 ban list uh, that we would use a to kick people who were downloading the game in the mm-hmm. browser, and then also we would they had a function where you could check the IP address for the country, uh, and we would kick people who weren't in U.S. or Canada because we felt their pings wouldn't be good enough. Was that actually true? Were we bad kids? There's you know questions that have answers that I'm not going to answer, uh, but it's definitely interesting you know to hear to to meet uh, you know another person who had some some insight to that. Uh, mm. Do you have other other big multiplayer games that you uh, part partook in? You know uh, other first person shooters. I mean, it sounds like you you fell off of uh, uh, you know of of the uh, Warcraft experience after after Burning Crusade. Uh, what else What else fits in there? Like I. I mostly played some co-op games and single-player games. Mm. That is what I mostly remember. Okay. I also played after World of Warcraft. I tried uh, Tabula Rasa and then Guild Wars 2 as well. Mm. But I, it it did not catch me as much as it was with World of Warcraft back then. But then I also realized, like, okay, maybe I'm just getting less interest in um, uh, MMORPGs. So I kind of started dropping them. And then I got into 
Battlefield Bad Company 2, that was okay. like my first, and also Call of Duty uh, um, 4, the first game. Uh, I played a lot of multiplayer uh, in Bad, that was my basically my first first-person shooter experience. Like, I played everything as a kid, but mostly in single-player, but that was, like, where I got into multiplayer, and obviously, when I was at friends' places and they had an Xbox, we were, mm. like, pulled, pulling up the Halo experience and just sure. played against each other. And also, like, other games, like, I remember one friend of mine still has the the PlayStation with the four controller module, and we were playing Crash Team Racing against each other. Uh, like, even... That wasn't too long ago well i mean now it's long ago but like <laughs> uh, 11 11 years ago like we still put that module on put it on the tv and we were like so fascinated because it was pure nostalgia mm-hmm. but it was amazing like it's really cool but yeah that was mostly my experience with multiplayer games or especially online sure sure yeah no that, that makes sense it's definitely it's evolved a lot you know and we, we certainly i think that what we've caught co- what we've talked about has has covered that uh, all right, so you mentioned earlier when we were talking about RTSs, uh, you mentioned StarCraft II, and something I've noticed with StarCraft II in particular is that it was uh, the gateway for a lot of folks when it come, came to discovering uh, Twitch and live streaming. Uh, how did you discover streaming? Was it StarCraft II? Was it something else? Yes, exactly. Okay. It was basically that. Uh, since I was playing... Uh, many uh, many matches online and I started to play against pros mm-hmm. so I always want like first of all there was the replay mode so I watched that but I also wanted to know what is the, the pro saying against me or what can I improve on so back then it was on own 3D TV that okay. was like the thing Yeah. Uh, and they were, they were streaming there or, or, I mean they did a, like a dual stream to Justin TV and own 3D TV and I always watched them there especially when I played against them since their names were quite famous back, mm. back then like I, I remember i was playing against stefano and muslim and i recognize those the, names i'm not even a starcraft fan yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, I, just to spoil i lost against both of them <sighs> after 40 50 minutes but okay. it was quite the cool a, a cool experience to play against these pros and recognize those names and it was like like fangirling i was like oh my god what did they say about my skills <laughs> like what do they think about me and so on it was really cool and i remember always checking their names and watching them uh, but then maybe because i was scared since i was young i was like yeah 18 19 around that time uh, so i was no 1920 never mind <laughs> i can't c- count um but i was always scared to make an account back then then to make a, I, a, I used- a twitch account or an own 3d account yeah. or you know, on 3D okay. and Justin TV because I thought like if the pros realize who I am, then I get attacked or such. Like I was like kind of paranoid, mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I'm not gonna make an account, but I'm gonna watch them and see the past broadcast, and then I can see, okay, what did they say? What can I improve on? And this is how I basically also found about uh, live streaming because I wanted to improve and started watching the streams. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I mean, and this is you know, I, I, as you could tell. I've I've heard this sort of thing before. You know, I know some other folks. Uh, you know, one of my one of my best speed buds, uh, you know, Casey Fru. His I think a major yeah. entry for him into learning about Twitch and live streaming was you know his interest in, in StarCraft too. Uh, so certainly you know something that that's come up before. Now you mentioned um, you know working up you know sort of developing the the confidence you know to get to get an own three D account. Yeah. Did you say at the end there that you actually you did did eventually get a Twitch account also via your interest in StarCraft Two? 
Uh, yeah, well, not only in StarCraft 2, but uh, back then I was... Whenever I wanted to watch something on Twitch, I just looked on the front page or through certain game sections to okay. see if those streamers are alive. Right. And um, that, that is how kind of the, um, the connection to speedrunning comes, because mm-hmm. there was lag TV back then, which did StarCraft 2 videos, and they also did like when she fails, and I love to watch that. And... There's the guy called um, Maximus Black who did I Wanna Be the Boshi, and I played I Wanna Be the Guy before. So I was like, oh, hey, this looks like... I, I didn't know about fan games back then. So I sure. thought, like, oh, it's like a sequel again. Kind of like Warcraft 3 and World of Warcraft. So I was like, okay, I'll check on I Wanna Be the, guy, I wanna be the Boshi. And then I found a speedrunner uh, called Kale Mandu in 2013 who did runs of it. And I was like, what is this? I don't know. It has a lot of viewers. It's, it says something speedrun. Let's watch it. And that's how I got into speedrunning afterwards. And yeah. then I decided... When I decided, okay, this is cool. I don't want to always check the game and see if he's live. I want to see him and join the chat. And that is when I decided to make an account. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, this was my guess. This was, if, if I, if you had made me guess, I would have guessed that you would have been, you know, on, on live streaming, checking out streams, and you would have seen uh, a speedrunning event in some form. Uh, it's interesting to me, though, that, you know, the the most common answer, and, and this surprises exactly no one, uh, is that someone sees a GDQ event, usually maybe a GDQ VOD on YouTube, yeah. or they, they happen to catch it live on Twitch. Uh, but in this case, you know, you, you're able to trace it to a particular, to the, you know, the the fan game community. I I, yeah. I, I didn't know too much about them. I had um, uh, Wolsk on, uh, like, yeah. a few months back, uh, you know, who's very much into that, and I learned, I learned way more about fan games than I knew previously, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, like, shout out to that community. Yeah, the community is really great. That is how I got into speedrunning, and then I just started watching all the fan game speedrunners, like there was Stinky, there's Dan Furrock, there's Kelmando back then, there's Wolks, uh, there's, uh, there was Shadow back then. So many people I remember, Greaser, and uh, it, it was really cool. I, I love to watch that, and this is how I then later on found more speedrunners, found speedruns live, mm-hmm. and started watching from there, and then I found ESA and GDQ and watched those events as well, and it just started to snowball. <laughs> now, would you have been someone? This is this is a great moment in time. I, I, I there was a moment in time when it used to be the the best way to find live speedrun streams on Twitch was to go to the front page of SRL. Would you would would you yeah. have done that? Yes, I, I literally did that because there was there was no tax system, and if, only if you followed the people. Uh, who did speedruns, you would, would know that they're live. And so through Kaomandu, I found like, okay, there's speedruns live. Everyone, because ba- back then everyone was linking to speedruns live to say like, hey, there's speedrun co- there's speedrun content. If you want to find other runners, if you want to find other games, you can go there. And this is how I found more and more people afterwards. Like the second person I found was Enop, who did Majora's Mask. And I was like, oh, hey, Majora's Mask, one of my favorite Zelda games. So I started watching him. And then I found Joshimus, who did San Andreas back then. And I was like, oh, hey, there's someone doing San Andreas. And then S, and it just started to continue like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's certainly some of the early names. And a lot of those people are still around. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure like, Enop yeah. still does his uh, thing. Yeah. Josh is certainly, uh, I mean, now, now running VCS at the moment, of course. Yeah. But I think I just noticed, I could have sworn I saw on Twitter earlier that, uh, yeah, okay, this is right. I Sorry, that uh, as of, as of, to the day of recording, uh, Josh's Twitch account is ten years old. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. I guess we've we've been at this for a while. 
Uh, that's yeah. that's funny. So what? What? Okay, so you're discovering speedrunning. You're you're on SRL. You know that was the place to be to discover, especially new streamers, because as you mentioned, you could follow people and see when they were live. But if you were trying to yeah. find more. Uh, and certainly, you know, it, it was still nascent at the time, so you wanted to find more because e- even the few people that you would find weren't live all the time. Uh, yeah. What pushes you over the edge to do your own speedrun? What's the story there? Yeah, so it starts with uh, Josh and S. So basically, back then, uh, they were known for GDA. So mm-hmm. everyone who kind of knew speedrunning knew they were doing San Andreas. And back then, I was always watching them. And suddenly, they do a Human Revolution race, like of Deus Ex. And I was like, hold on. This is one of my favorite games. I like that. And I started watching them. And they did the race. Uh, I remember watching Josh, who failed, like, at the product start. So he got, he died to the guards. And then he was like, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to do it. Then he rated S. And then I continued watching S doing the entire run. And I was like, oh, that is super cool and that was the moment i said like i want to try that like i didn't know that someone runs human revolution and then i started to dig up everything ask uh, like i remember uh, messaging josh and s and asking like hey how does it work what do i need and everything like that and they then s linked me to sda and said like yeah you can find your resources and i remember watching s run back then and just copying him one by one to learn the run and that's how i started in 2013 so that was really cool and later on we also did races against each other and i started to get into the community oh it was really cool <laughs> now at the time so you're saying you're you know you're you're crossing that threshold of doing your first run in 2013 uh you're doing a pc game run so we don't have to have a discussion about what capture hardware you're using in 2013 i i pour one out every time i have that discussion with someone because it's it's always a nightmare (laughs) what kind of what kind of software are you using at the time to do the capture though were you xsplit obs or something else Uh, i used obs back then because people said, like, yeah, if you want to start streaming, like, I remember S telling me, like, yeah, just get OBS, it's for free, you know, it's easy to handle, I was like, okay, sure. So I started playing around with that and started streaming with this uh, to, to Twitch then, and everything else, I just kind of started to dig in, figure out how it works, and that's that's how I just started, I was like, okay, just get the game and start running half the splits uh, back when it was not i didn't use w splits i used landfair oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because i asked S about it and he said like yeah everyone is used w split but landfair is a new thing and it's cooler so if you want to try something new try that and i was like okay sure i take landfair then and I used that uh, for almost the ent- uh, entire decade until LifeSplit was a thing, mm. and then I switched over. But I, I had some my great experience with that. Started to figure out because I had already two screens since I was studying IT back then. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, let's try figuring out how to do a layout, everything in window mode, and that's how I go until now. So. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I, I definitely. I think I was also. Um prompted by my workplace to get into a dual monitor lifestyle and so whenever i think i I didn't really i had been streaming on and off random things since 2014 and in 2016 Mm -hmm. was when i finally started speedrunning myself but you know having having the extra real estate sure does uh (laughs) make it manageable Mm -hmm. uh certainly okay so we we we've confirmed human revolution was the first one that you did speedruns of that was your official first game speedrun 
Uh, this is about the point when I like to do a bunch of sort of individual rapid fire takes. And mm-hmm. uh, first game, we got the first game speed run. Of all of the speed runs that you have done, what is your favorite? And when I ask that, I mean like what what speed game, not like an individual instance of a run, but like mm-hmm. what's your favorite one to do that you have the most fond memories of? I would say it's still Human Revolution, but Deus Ex is very close to it. Mm-hmm. Like both both those games, and when when I think of recently, like in the last two years, then it's definitely Tiberian Sun because it was like childhood memory combined with speedrun and amazing glitches. So I was like, okay, this is my new love. <laughs> All right, I'll have, I'll have more questions about those later. Uh, but while we're doing this lightning round, gotta get the flip side. What is a, a game that you did a speedrun of and you did not enjoy it? You're like, probably not coming back to this one. It might be my least favorite speedrun that I've done. Mm. <laughs> that, that is actually tough because I still enjoy doing the, the games I run. Mm. But I think uh, it will take, like, maybe not from I did not enjoy, but more like of I don't have time to do a run. That would be San Andreas yeah. because it's just way too long. Like, I, back then... It was the time when duping was found. Okay. I learned the duping strats, and every week, every time when I did a run, I was like, oh, hey, we found a new route, which is saving 30 minutes, and then the next week, it's like, oh, another 30 minutes save, and it just continued, and duping strats changed, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll leave the game for now until everything's discovered, because I don't have the time to learn it all over again. Uh, but I think now it's kind of stable, around five hours, but I think... Um, Five hours streaming while my daughter is screaming in the background is gonna be a bit tough. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean that. that's the sort of I mean that's the thing, especially with a game like San Andreas, is that you know you can look at the very top level of the um, mm-hmm. you know the no arbitrary jump and script category, and that's like yeah. I think it's like under under four hours now, but you're not you don't become a top san andreas runner overnight. Yeah. You have to budget yeah. five or six hours, you know, even if you've practiced segments even if you know you've done all that work uh because it's, yeah. it's not going to happen on mac it's a, it's a it's a beast of a game uh I, I i last year i tried learning the the los santos segment and i had a little bit of fun with it but like i was like nah, i can't i can't do the whole thing it's i'm, yeah, okay. I'm out uh, sorry how about okay you got more no, I just wanted to say, like, I think most people, when they get into San Andreas, they only learn the Los Santos segmented, and then afterwards, they either say, like, okay, I continue learning everything, or they say, like, nah, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> but uh, It feels, like, always like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a good approach, though, right, for a longer yeah. game, is, like, there's Absolutely. no reason... You're gonna make it worse for yourself uh, to attempt to learn it all in one go when it's a very long run, you know, rather mm-hmm. than breaking it up into segments. Like, that's just... That's a you know that's good practice for anything in life is you know breaking it yeah, down into definitely. manageable chunks. Yeah. How about a game that you would like to speedrun, uh, but you have not gotten around to it yet, whether for time reasons or it just doesn't fit with what you're doing right now? Mm, I I guess there are two games of which I have in mind, but both have the same engine. That would be Quake and uh, Daikatana. Like I, back then, I watched Elgu and Sphere MJ Jam. No, it's MJ, sorry. Mm. <laughs> sorry for butchering your name. Uh, <laughs> no, but <laughs> those two, uh, they always do like Quake runs. Back when Elgo did a lot of Half-Life and Half-Life 2, but then he switched to Quake. And Sphere always does um, the Star Trek game. I forgot what it's called. And also Quake and Daikatana. And I it's always the, watch those It's runs. the Voyager one, right? The Voyager? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. The shooter one. Yes. And 
Yeah, that was, also played that as a kid. And I was scared of the first scene, I remember that. But, <laughs> side story. And I always like to watch those runs, and I find them so amazing, especially with the tricks. I was like, okay, I definitely want to learn Daikatana, I definitely want to learn Quake, but I just don't have the time, and I would need to learn the movement as well, and I would need to look it up. I, I guess there are tutorials for that, and it's not a problem if I just ask them about that, but I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll just pick it up if I really have the time, and then I just go into it. Cool, though. I mean, I, I think the good news there, though, is that, you know, compared to, say, San Andreas, uh, Quake and Die Katana are at least, like, reasonable projects. You know, still a lot yeah. to learn, but uh, but I, I watched a little bit of the Die Katana run. I never played that game myself, but it's kind of... I, I don't know. There's something about a flop that fascinates me. I don't know if you're the same way, mm-hmm. where you see a famous flop and you're like, oh, I, I gotta play that. <laughs> I mean, Daikatana, I, I never played it. I just heard the rumors about being a bad game and mm. with the AI being horse shit. But then I saw the run at ESA and I was like, damn, this looks like fun. Like, especially when you use the, the crossbow to boost yourself up and go out of bounds and on the wall and everything. I was like, damn, this is really cool. And so I thought like, yeah, why not just try it? Like, it looks like fun. Do you have a favorite speedrun to watch that you have no plans to run yourself? Yes, that would be Fury. Or Furry? No, Fury, I think. The um, uh, boss battle game, which is kind of like Devil May Cry. So you have like only boss battles one after another. It's like an indie game. And it's amazing. Like I, I remember playing it myself and enjoying it. Mm. And when I saw the speedrun, it's just... It's so cool to watch it, like, when they have to do everything in quick sessions or counter, attack, dash, and do this in the, in the middle of a boss fight, and just to immediately go through one boss to the other. Uh, it is really cool. Also, the music was amazing, so I was like, damn, this is a game I really enjoy watching, but I don't think I will touch it. <laughs> no, that's extremely fair. That's cool. I, I, I have not heard of that game before uh so oh, but that's okay. that's uh you said it's an indie game that came out like a few years ago or i'm not or... sure when it came out okay. but uh, uh it got recommended to me from one mm. of the speed friends and he said like yeah, it's oh, a cool fighting game yeah and then i was like okay okay thank you all right chad has rescued me it was a few years ago. Okay, it never. I mind. was just trying to search F U R Y on on the internet. I was like, I just know. Is it Fatal Fury? That's not it. No. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it is really cool. As I said, like I enjoyed the, the gaming. It's basically the Devil May Devil May Cry, but only boss fighting mm. and with different faces. And after I finished it, I I watched the speed and I was like, damn, that is really cool. And it was also in multiple GDQs. Like when I think of. Um, Back then, uh, got his name. No, I'm, I'm getting old. Um, never <laughs> mind. But two people r- did uh, recently runs at GDQs, and I enjoyed watching them also in private. When I see them on Twitch, and it's it's fascinating. I really like to see this fast move movement fighting based speedruns. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's dope. I mean, and also shout out to. The, I feel like I'm always really happy when I see the big marathons uh, show off indie games as well. Like that's just always yeah, always neat to see. Uh, speaking of big marathons, uh, one, I got one more individual game question for you, which is, I always like to ask that you're, you're no stranger, uh, to ESA or GDQ. You know, you've done uh, a lot of runs at both events and I wanted to ask, do you have any runs in your repertoire 
that you really, really want to show off at an event like that, but you have not yet had the opportunity? Because I mean, so you, you know, you've done all your Deus Exes at these events. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you've done some other things as well. Like, I think I saw like you know, cluster trucks, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, is there another game where you're like, hey, if I could get an automatic into the next ESA or GDQ, I'm gonna do this game? Yeah, there were two actually, and I'm very happy. One actually got in by another runner, which I didn't know, and I'm very looking forward to that. That would be Tomb Raider Anniversary. Okay. It's a fun game to run. Um, for ESA, there's normally Kataref doing the runs of it. She's really good in the game and a good friend of mine. And because he's much better, I just don't submit it because I know, like, hey, he's the better person to yeah. run it, and I'm just going to do co-commentating. Um, but for GDQ, it always got denied for a while. And I thought, like, I want to see that be in the in the marathon. It always got denied, but now it got in. And for GDQ, also, I want to get in Tiberium Sun just to showcase, hey, Command & Conquer, really cool run, and also pretty broken. <laughs> Especially since there have been many RTS speedruns uh, recently, like with King Dime doing StarCraft, Covered Muffin doing Warcraft 3. So it's really cool to see that other people are also pushing the star... Um, the RTS genre. Also, there was MH who did Age of Empires individual mm-hmm. levels as a showcase. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I would definitely be uh, extremely hyped to see literally any Command and Conquer games. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I actually I wonder right now. Now you're going to make me search live on air. Uh, <laughs> has a Command and Conquer? Does Does GDQ vods take ampersands? Let's find out. Oh, okay. Red Alert three was in. That's the only one. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. Railcoon okay. and Covert Muffin. Oh yeah, did, yeah, you're did right. A Red three co-op. Yeah, the co-op run. Yeah, the co-op run with uh, cinematics. Exactly. Yeah, right, I remember right. that. God, what Red Alert's so good at cinematics. Uh, but yeah, certainly. I mean, Tiberian Sun for the reasons you already mentioned. Uh, you know the, the the glitches in particular are really really fun. They make the the routes for the levels uh, really really interesting. So hopefully, uh, you know, we can see that in in the future. Uh, you know, maybe at, at, I don't know what how I don't know how parenting is going to affect your ability to travel, uh, but certainly I would love to be in the audience. You know, for uh, for for a I red mean, alert. I mean, we kind of thought uh, we obviously didn't know how the situation sure. is, but you know, uh, in Germany, in Potsdam, there was supposed to be a marathon happening in the end of April because the numbers looked fine. Yeah, and I uh, already talked with my wife and said like, hey. What do you mind if we go for a family trip with a little girl to over there? And she said, like, yeah, sure, we can go as a family. And the same with ESA. Uh, I wouldn't mind to go for uh, for GDQ with the entire family, but just then I'd need to check out how things with visas go on because sure. of uh, a minor and with wife because she needs to get a visa as well. And mm. Mm, the, the process will be a bit more complicated, but for the European countries, it's very easy. It's just, okay go there yeah <laughs> i mean hopefully everything goes as smoothly as possible I, I feel like it has been my experience i know we, we talked a little bit about parenting at the top but i've definitely <laughs> i want to be respectful of people's personal preferences and i have noticed that some parents are totally down to travel with their young children and some aren't and I'm not here to bully people one way or the other. I I have a friend who uh, you know who has made several trips with toddlers flying from America to India, and that is that's oh, a long haul, right? <laughs> yeah, that is that is quite amazing. Like, I mean, I can totally understand when parents say like, "Hey, I don't want to travel with a toddler." Yeah, I feel the same because my wife is from Malaysia and. Okay. 
when we want to visit her parents, it would be like a around like a 17, 18 hour flight. Mm, yeah. And I don't feel confident uh, going there with like a toddler. Maybe if she's like one, two, three years older, then we could try it, but not in the early stages. But if we're going for a short trip like ESA or uh, Potsdam, which is just like a drive for sure. three to four hours or just flight for less than an hour, I would say like, yeah, that is not a big deal. Like yeah. just get on the plane, let her sleep, get out and she's awake and then easy peasy, no problem. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly just, you know, it's something to, to experiment with as as yeah. well. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, we're, I feel like right now we are all feverishly daydreaming of post-COVID world, uh, you know, and hopefully <laughs> hopefully the daydreams come true and not the fevers. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Well, you know what, on that note, we're, we're talking already about health stuff. Uh, one of my regular questions uh, is already, I ask everybody, do you do anything when it comes to wrist hand health? Uh, you know, because playing video games, especially speedrunning, has a lot of repetitive motions. Uh, now, I know you have a lot of uh, athletic stuff going on in your life, but let's talk about just the computer touching part of it, because yeah. you're an IT, you're, you do IT, you do speedruns. Do you do anything in particular when it comes to health at the desk? Mm, I mean, the thing is, because I'm doing martial arts since I'm six, I kind of have like sports in my like in my daily routine already in. Like I train daily, mm-hmm. and mm, because I'm doing uh, martial arts, there's like a lot of preparation for wrist, hands, strengthening for arms and joints and everything it's already included also with stretching but when i think of like on the desk like most people start just sitting down i mean normal nowadays it's becoming more a thing of to get the movable desk so that you stand up that you're standing a bit Um, like what i can always suggest is get one of those gym balls and sit a bit on that like not maybe not like me who is like constantly sitting on it but uh, just for 10 minutes or something and what you always can do is like do like these kinds of stretching like even sitting um, on the desk or standing up like or even if you get a cup of tea or coffee or if you take a toilet break you can always do something for your hands just to loosen them up because most people are really getting stiff with them so i would suggest those and uh, yes I, I do them as well but i do it normally during training when sure. i warm up then like 15 minutes warm up, 15 minutes stretching with uh, preparation, and then I start weight training, weapon training, uh, sp- sparing matches, and so on. So everything's included. So it this is basically a must. Mm, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, especially you know, as we're you know, we're I guess we're now. I'm in my early 30s, at least. You don't have to dox yourself. I think you're a similar age, though. Um, yeah, 29. So. Okay, there you go. <laughs> All right, I'm still still older. Hooray! Yes, um, this is this is me. Whenever whenever I see anyone in Twitch, like oh, I'm gonna be 30 soon. I'm like, yeah. So what, brother? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, the free is coming closer, but it's still a year away. <laughs> but I I wanted to ask because I you know I, I've always I I've probably been following you on Twitter for a while or, or watched your streams for a while, and I've seen things. The 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 I, the ball is not anything new. I've seen you sitting on that for a long time. Um, and so I just wanted to get a quick overview because people are probably curious. Can you give a, a quick summary of the, the martial arts stuff that you do? Or are you involved in a particular style? It seems like you travel to compete. That's the impression I get. 
Um, so maybe you can give people yeah. who are like like me, who has never participated in any martial arts, like what does that consist yeah, okay. of, and what have you done? All right, uh, just. Okay, so I will just try to describe it as fast as possible. Okay. So basically, I am in the national wushu team in Germany, and the sports we do is wushu, which is basically kung fu, which people know from the movies like sure. Jackie Chan, Jet Li, and so on. And what is different there is there are two different types of wushu. One is basically like a form area where you have like a carpet of 8 by 30 meters, and on that you have to imagine it like ice skiing, you have your routine with different difficulties and you do it in front of judges like in this uh, case there are nine judges and you have to do um, stances you have to do jumps you have to do difficulties and you have to combine them and for that you get a rating the other part is called sanda which is basically fighting so you have it like kickboxing but in addition with judo throws and you're also fighting on like a 1.3 meter high stage and there are no b boundaries, so you can literally throw your opponent off the arena. Uh, this is basically the history in China back then. When they did those fights, they were for dead, dead or alive. So if you if you got thrown out of the ring, you die because there are spikes. And they kind of took <sighs> that as a rule without dying. So if you get thrown out of the arena twice without your opponent, you also automatically lose that round. Okay. And yeah, I do both of those. I do the forms um, basically for international championships and or the national ones only for fighting. Because the yeah, if if I I mean the the forms are fine. If you do them internationally, like you're not gonna get hurt. You can just prepare properly, and that's okay. But the fighting can be very brutal on international area because the, you are fighting against pros, and I'm yeah. just. An athlete who's doing that as a hobby, like I'm doing it part-time from working, studying, being a parent and such. And in Germany, this, this martial art is not famous, it's not popular. So every time I go for tournaments, I have to pay on my own, for example. And because I'm working in IT, it's not a problem, but for many other athletes it is. Oh yeah, and certainly. If I think, yeah, and if I think of a Russian team, for example, who is getting sponsored by the Russian country, who are putting 100 millions into just the arena where where they do the tournaments, it's it's just insane. And if you fight there, well, I think it's it's not gonna be good. <laughs> it's gonna be tough, at least. Like, not that there's no chance, but it's a very high level because those guys train eight to ten hours a day while I'm just training. Well it's still a lot but like two to three hours a day and but it's still nothing in comparison sure sure no that's that's it's how did you i forget did you go over how you got into this like can you get a quick because it's you know it was just something that you had done from a, a very young age this particular style um, i started when i was six with kung fu because my uncle started to have his own martial arts club mm -hmm. and basically i started with that and back later on with 12 13 my stepfather found out uh, about Wushu, and that's how we started with Wushu. He was like, basically, the, um, I forgot what the word is, but basically he created the club where, we, where I am right now okay. and where we train every day. Uh, he's a founder, there you go. And since then, I started doing that and continued doing it because basically everyone in my family is a martial artist besides my mother like i have five younger siblings and they all also oh. all do martial arts a yeah. big family yeah definitely and i'm the oldest so it's okay. it's quite a lot of burden on me as well but <laughs> that is the job of the oldest sure uh, but anyways so everyone is doing martial arts since since a young age and yeah that's how we basically started 
Now, whenever I, I whenever I have this opportunity to get into sort of you know someone's uh, you know big hobby outside of speedrunning or, or or big you know passion project job uh, any mix of that, uh, I always have to bring it back around and ask: Have you found any uh, uh, you know crossover or bleed over? of how you approach speedrunning and how you approach, in this case, Wushu? Have you applied speedrunning thoughts to Wushu? Uh, that, that is what I found very interesting, because when I started doing speedruns, I mostly took uh, the training or what I do in Wushu training into speedrunning, because it is very similar. Like, since... Uh, if you have to imagine you have instead of like maybe a 40 minute run you have one hour and 30 minutes where you have to power through your performance and you need to do your difficulties correct you need to do your stances correct you need to do the techniques correct and you need to avoid any mistakes to get a good high score basically and what you basically did there as well is you divide this one one minute and 30 seconds into four segments and these segments you practice and then you try to connect them together or you do like kind of like a full run where you do the entire thing to see like what is the problem like maybe the start is great and then you lose your stamina or your focus is dropping or maybe your your leg strength is not enough and i i took that approach into speedrunning as well where i started automatically practicing in segments before i knew that people do it that way Mm -hmm. so when i when i remember of learning human revolution i took I took the same steps. I took the the first level, like basically, I oriented myself on the splits as hat, and then I just went, okay, I do the prologue first, and then I practice that again for like three, four times so that I memorize it. Then I take the next step, and then I try to combine both steps and so on. And this is how I mostly started learning uh, about speedruns, or that is what I applied from Wushu to speedruns. Yeah, no, I mean, I I totally believe that. It's, it's interesting to me too. You know, I I don't have any sort of organized athletic experience. Most of my exercises, st- stuff I could do by myself, like lifting and cycling and things like that. Which I always encourage anyone to find. You know, what sort of yeah. um, athletic activity works for them. Uh, but that you would apply that. You know, that the the training principles would be applicable uh, doesn't surprise me at all. Now we have also while we're on the subject of of uh, you know crossover between different parts of your life, mm-hmm. what about Speedrunning and IT, because it sounds like IT is kind of what you did school to what your day job is. Uh, do you yeah. find yourself invoking now no, speedrunning too, especially because speedrunning involves you know computer programs which have glitches, yeah. which have exploits. Uh, yeah. Do you find yourself at all uh, you know with crossover between IT and speedrunning? Yeah, definitely. Like well, when I think back, so um, most people always get like code parts or basically debug the games themselves to figure out like okay how is it working mm-hmm. and then with the, with the knowledge about programming and how it works or what they actually did we can kind of combine it and look into the code and then realize like ah okay collision is only calculated one way so if you're out of bounds you can go in bounds again without any issues but you can't go out of bounds without doing a clip for example and then we know like okay this is the limitation of the engine or when i was back then uh, a game developer with a unity engine i knew the flaws with the jump with the jump controller and such and then in certain games you could basically figure it out or basically knew okay if you jump on an object your jump gets reset and then you can just hover if you just if you're able to drag an item and such and i, I could combine my knowledge from 
programming into speedrunning as well and that was like amazing because i was like oh hey i understand why it's working this way and what the developers did to trick people to say like oh my god this is a huge world but in the end it's just a sandbox and mm -hmm. you know how to use that sandbox it is a really cool feeling and it's nice to understand the details especially when you look into um, into details like if you look for example like a game like there's x it's an unreal engine and then you know like okay there are many un other unreal engine games like what what are the same exploits like save loading it's everywhere it's in unreal it is in there's x and it's in uh, i don't know what our unreal game right now but you can always ex uh, exploit the same engine uh, and it just snowballs like that it's really fascinating to me Okay, I so there was something that I tried to find before this podcast recording, and I was unable. I, I, normally, searching searching is a part of what I do professionally, so I was kind of annoyed I couldn't find it. But I wanted to ask if it actually happened, and maybe I had a, a fever dream and imagined it. Did you once do a showcase at ESA with a game that you made? Did I imagine that? Did that yeah. Oh, that, okay, that did happen. It, yeah, okay, so that is the fun story. It was it was basically the same group with uh, Awful Games Block. Uh -huh. So uh, back then, I had to do an assignment for my game development class. And it was a Unity game. We just were supposed to... Uh, we just learned the, the engine, and the, uh, the idea was like, hey, make a game, and just try to make it like a demo, and present that. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll do that, and... Funnily enough, I made I made a bat with a friend and said, like, okay, let's try. We, we give ourselves four hours and try to make a game. And so we did. So I made this game called Castle Defense Alpha. <laughs> and he made his uh, side-scrolling game. And th that was basically the result. And since I had to learn everything newly, like I didn't know how to do calculations for collision properly. So I just smashed something in which kind of worked. I did not think how my jumping works, so I was just like always resetting it whenever you hit, like with basically it's called like a raycast. You have to think of it like a line looking at the ground mm. to a certain meter. So I just made a raycast until like I don't know, like 50 centimeters or something. So every time it sees something, your jump gets reset. So if you're on a slope, it will always lets you jump. And <laughs> there were so many mistakes I made. I, I didn't care. I just. I just wanted to make that demo, and I gave that as an assignment. And then in the group, I said, like, hey, I made my own game, and my bachelor thesis is as well in RTS. And Spatula and Pen again back then, a seductive Spatula and Pen again, they basically said, like, hey, give us your game. We want to speedrun it. And this is how it happened. Like, on speedrun.com, if you look for Castle Defense Alpha, you will even find the game. Okay, there you go. All right. I was wondering how to how to, how to to find it. That was the thing I was looking for. All right. Well, I, now I know. Now I know the secret. I can... I remember catching that live, and it was it was a ton of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. So, obviously, it stuck... It stuck with me, and I and I had to ask about it uh, about it now. Oh, oh my man. God! Someone, uh, I, I <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm just uh, shocked. Someone did like a run of it nine months ago. Like what? Oh, active <laughs> active speed scene here. Oh yeah, wait a God. second here. Why, why would you do that? <laughs> oh yeah, shoutouts to uh, to Guildmaster TV, uh, who is apparently a very wow has a lot of Lego speed runs. All right, that's cool. I heard Lego games uh, are good. This is what I've been told, so I believe it. All right. All right. Well, that was a good tangent. I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad I brought that up. Then, um, 
Well, let's talk about let's talk about some of your your staples then. I think we can probably move over to that. Uh, obviously, Deus Ex is is a big thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have seen you, you know, at, at both ESA and GDQ doing Deus Ex runs. Where does that series start for you? I know Human Revolution was your first speed run, but of course, Deus Ex, the original, is a lot older than Human Revolution. Had you played it back in the day, or? Yeah, I played. I played back then Deus Ex One. Uh, I never finished it though as a kid. It was kind of the same, like just playing through it, not having any idea how it works. But I was fascinated because it was like an kind of like a shooter with RPG elements. You can mm. level, you can do it uh, an approach and stealth. And I found stealth really cool because the other games I remember from my childhood where you had to use stealth was Splinter Cell and Tenchu. Okay. And uh, Tenchu was kind of like not re- like like a mixture and i remember i was really frustrated because i couldn't stealth there really that much and splinter cell kind of introduced that even though now that i think about it it's it was kind of horrible as well it was like pretty buggy when i think of the the light system like but it was a cool introduction and i liked it and so i thought like okay i will play Deus x and try to do a stealth approach as a kid and I didn't get far because I was underleveled. I always died. And at some point I was fr- frustrated when I was the first time in Hell's Kitchen and never finished it. Mm. And that was my childhood experience. And then ba- later on when I was doing Human Revolution, I was like, okay, let's give this X another chance and learn the speedrun instead. And so I did. <laughs> so that saying that the, the speedrun, of course, of the, of the original Deus Ex, but I imagine... When you played, because you had mentioned that when you you were discovering speedrunning, uh, and then you saw the race uh, with with Josh and S of Human Revolution, uh, but you had already played the game casually. You said that was one of your favorite games. So you, I assume, yeah. you had a much more successful casual play of Human Revolution compared to Deus Ex. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like I, I really like it was when I started studying that I was playing uh, Human Revolution for the first time. And I enjoyed it. I played it as well in stealth. Had no problem with it. Also finished the game, uh, the boss fight, even though they were a bit unfair. But uh, I mean, if you if you didn't know that you have to fight a boss and you don't have equipment for it, it kind of sucks. But there were enough environmental items to, which you could also use, and I used that. But I enjoyed the playthrough. And then I saw the speeder, and I was like, okay, I want to try that too. It looks fascinating and interesting. And then here we are. <laughs> So, you know, we mentioned, we already kind of went in, into the story of how you, uh, you know, started with Human Revolution. Uh, when it comes to running Deus Ex, you know, I, I find when talking to people that it's one thing to cross that initial threshold and learn your first speed game. Uh, but mm-hmm. for some folks, it can take a while to, to open things up and to move past that first speed game. Uh, did it take did it take a while for you to decide to move on to Deus Ex, or did that come pretty quickly? It kind of went pretty quickly, but also I was running Human Revolution for almost a year, and also the Director's Cut version, because mm. in the community we differentiate both games, since the Director's Cut version has also all DLCs included and extra missions, and Human, the original Human Revolution does not. So when I, I was basically running two games, even though it was kind of the same, and... Uh, I basically switched between both, and then I submitted for Ease A, and for the first time, all three DSX games got in. Back then, it was uh, Foot Big Mike, who submitted DSX 1, 
and I submitted Human Revolution and Invisible War. Mm. And I said, like, hey, it would be cool to see all Deus Ex games at the marathon. So I started learning Invisible War. I regretted it, but I <laughs> had my fun later on as well. Uh, and th that was the story when I said, like, okay, I'm going to learn another game. And here's the thing. Put Big Mike couldn't come to... Was it? No. Wait. Am I mixing up? No. I, I think it's Foot Big Mike. Maybe I'm mixing up things right now. I'm not entirely sure. A anyways, um, he couldn't come to the event. He had to cancel it last minute. And then I was like, oh shit. I, I just started learning Deus Ex, but I haven't done runs that often of it. And then S encouraged me also with a Suicide Machine, who said like, okay, here here you go, learn the game and show it at ESA, because there was like an open block, and I said like, okay, I'll submit it, and then I started practicing there, and there was also my first overestimate run with Deus Ex, where I, I couldn't do it in time, but it was a lot of fun, and that was basically breaking the threshold of saying like, okay, I'm gonna stick to one game, and then I started to just switch it, and that variation also helped, so whenever I was not getting past, or when I hit a barrier in Tomb Revolution, I just switched to Invisible War, did runs of that game until I hit there the barrier, went back, and then suddenly I improved, even though I didn't do anything. It's just because of that break. Mm -hmm. And it also helped me to get better in other speed games later on. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, thing to point out. And I see this too sometimes with folks. With someone who is trying to... Uh, push themselves to do better in a single game. Uh, they they for an extended period of time will grind out runs of that, and eventually it leads to oh. frustration. Uh, and having another game to fall back to to sort of um, you know I guess <laughs> let let your uh, your speed game muscles uh, you know relax and and er, be restored uh, is definitely sound advice and it sounds like you know that that was part of what uh what worked out for you in terms of bouncing around between the deus ex games mm. now uh what's i wanted to ask so your earliest gdq appearance is i think the the sgdq 2016 with um uh, with deus ex was that no it was 2015 with human revolution Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm a dummy. I see it right there. Yeah, I, I have it on my list. Uh, but the reason I, I just wanted to ask was, uh, I mean, I, I went to my first time traveling for a speedrun marathon was um, ESA 2017, right? Or I did Just Cause 3. Uh, and that was like a wild experience for me because I traveled internationally by myself, uh, mm -hmm. which was definitely uh, different. When you did those trips, you know, coming to SGDQ 2015-26, I forget what... And was was that were those in the Midwest at that point? Were they in Minneapolis yet, or were they still? Yeah, they, oh, they, were, were? they were in Minneapolis okay. already. Because I was I was there now three times, so I kind of know the airport and was like, okay, I know this location. I know that I'm at the right scene. <laughs> now, from like from the from you know, I, I know you've mentioned traveling for uh, for Wushu. Uh, were you already pretty used to traveling? Like, because I guess what I'm asking is like. Were you used to the idea of internationally traveling to go to something like a GDQ, um, or you know, or or was this sort of a new experience for you doing that? 
it, it definitely was a new experience mm. for me because I, I was uh, studying for a year in Dublin, okay. but that was just like an hour flight from Germany, so it was not a big deal. And the the other trip I did before for like a training camp in China was all organized by by the club, so I did okay. not have to do anything. I just had to give my money, and they got me over. But for GDQ, it was the first time, and I remember sitting there reading, "What do I have to do? What do I have to get?" I was like a young adult, like. 20 years old and i was like okay i need to check now everything like like how it works how do i get the visa where do i need to what is like the cheapest way to fly over because i did not work during that time mm. yet i was just finishing uh, my university time and got my bachelor and was like oh shit i i don't have much money i need to save everything every cent i can and also find like roommates and such it, it was like it was a new experience definitely but it also opened up a scene where I was very open and said, like, I will just discover it. I will just try and figure it out. So <laughs> this leads to another hilarious story from my first GDQ trip. Like, it was fine traveling over. I remember I had to fly from <laughs> because I took the cheapest flight I could mm -hmm. find. And it was like 800 euros back and forth. So I had to fly it at 4 in the morning from Dusseldorf to Paris, from Paris to London, from London to Chicago, and from Chicago to Minneapolis. Wow. <laughs> and, and obviously, I, I panicked because uh, I had to schedule everything. Like, if the flight is not on time, what do I do? I had no <laughs> idea. And I was like, okay, just please be in time. And I remember running from the airport from uh, when I arrived at Paris, I had only 20 minutes to catch the next flight, and they started like saying, like, "Okay, we're gonna start soon." So I remember sprinting to the next scene. I arrived in London. I had a break for four hours. Then from London to Chicago, I had to wait for two hours. Luckily, I thought like at first I thought like, "Oh, two hours is a lot," but I did not know about all the security controls sure. and such. And because I am from Europe, it took me way longer. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, okay." I didn't. So luckily, everything worked out. And then I was. Finally in Minneapolis after 24 hours and was like everything worked out <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> Goodness, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I, I part of you know, I thankfully I I would you know I was traveling at what the age of 27 and you know I was firmly into my career job at that point so I I had no qualms about saying no sir I'm going straight from Newark to Copenhagen not even going to blink an eye at this <laughs> like no way no how am I getting involved in this but I can definitely understand you know taking advantage of. Uh, you know, a cheaper price and you know, exchange for time. That's just how how it ends yeah. up uh, working yeah. out. Um, I so I had my eye on the SGDQ 2016 run for a particular oh. reason, and I and I hope this is not embarrassing to bring up, but I wanted to bring it up okay. to document yeah, it okay. in speedrun history because there's a lot of people out there who who seem to think that that games done <laughs> quick is hasty to ban people. That they are overly zealous about obscenities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I know this isn't true. And when I think of this not being true, <laughs> I always think of your SGDQ 2016 run where you very, like you dropped an F-bomb and did not acknowledge it. And one of your couch members acknowledges it. Is there anything going on in the background? Do you think about this a lot? You obviously remembered it because I could tell you remembering it as I brought it up. But what is the legacy of this? Do you have anything that you would want to add besides obviously GDQ does not ban people for this since you've been to GDQs plenty of times since this happened? 
<laughs> Take a sip. Uh, um, yeah, it, it, it is it is hilarious because like uh, with speedrun friends, it was always like a running gag during after that run. Mm. Like, I remember going into friends streams and they're like, "Oh hey, here's the band runner." I'm like. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> it was it was it was pretty hilarious. So okay, so what is the story behind it? So the first thing I remember, I so I, I never really practice when I do a run. So mm-hmm. I just whatever comes in my mind, I will just say it without thinking beforehand. And uh, just if I think something is funny or could be cool, I just explain it or just make a joke about yeah. it. Yeah. And there is a scene at the start of a run, like ten minutes in, uh, where. Uh, where an agent is telling to Mandalay, like, just fire that arrogant son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't say anything during that time because I was like, yeah, I don't know what to say. I heard that sentence and then I said, like, he sweared, ban him. That was the first flag. People, like, I like I remember my couch was like, ooh, Heike, what are you doing? Like, you should done that. Yeah, don't... I thought it was, I thought of it, I just thought of it as a joke and uh-huh. found it hilarious. Okay. So I didn't care, I just continued. <laughs> and then later on, without thinking about it, I dropped the F-bomb when I said, like, oops, I fucked up. Right, cause because it, well, I did. And that's also the, for the, for people who, were, who know Deus Ex, but maybe haven't watched this run, it's an intentional goof because it's the mission, it's the mission where you're supposed to rescue the, the woman, right? And yeah, you can just skip the mission by, by blowing her up and, you know, and leaving. And so it's, it's an intentional goof. It isn't like, you know, you, 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 you made a mistake or something and had to reload. It is, it's like, oh, this is a goof. Yeah, exactly. So I made a joke about that without, like, I was thinking the entire time, don't swear, just try to hold it back. And then I accidentally said that I said, that, oops, I fucked up. And then I remember people behind me like, ooh, like, yeah. like, Heike, what are you doing again? Like, stop it. And that was the time when someone from the moderation team told me like, uh, Heike, please be careful of the words you use. And I was like, Hold on, I don't know that voice. Who is that? So I, I was looking around. I was like, hey, what's happening? I looked back, and everyone in the couch was like, anciently pointing like, there, tech, look at tech. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Okay, never mind. And then they waved at me. I was like, okay, I should pay attention to what mm-hmm, I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for, for folks who maybe aren't, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know ha- haven't done, uh, 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 haven't done something in an environment with a very professional sound setup, it is, you know, possible for them yeah. to pipe something into the runner's ears without yeah. the audience hearing it, and so you know that that does happen at, at, the, at these events. Um, again, it's not a problem. As you mentioned, exactly what they said, they're just like, "Hey, you know, like you lost focus. You said it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, it's not nothing." Not not the uh, you know the some people's portrayal of GDQ, but that's funny. You know, obviously, we we can all laugh about it now. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, I just I just wanted to I had to check in on that because I, I I think I'm pretty sure I saw that live, and I was like, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, I I remember Villagin coming to me after the run. He was like, hey, great run, but why did you swear like come on and i was like yeah sorry like i remember even making a joke on that on stage like behind the stage after i went from from the stadium i was like yeah sorry please don't ban me and he's like get out of my face or i will yeah. really ban you know, like okay okay but we were just joking at that yeah, point yeah. but everything was cool nothing happened but i remember people starting to defend me and say like why did you ban him and i was like the next day i was like wait what what happened well, yeah, like, why, am I, why are people saying that i'm banned and then Vulagin 
the next day I met Mullage and he's like, Hanky, what did you do? Why did you swear so often? I'm like, I swear twice, I'm sorry, I didn't think of it. <laughs> and he was like, it's okay, you're not banned, everything's alright. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, the first lesson, folks, uh, is that if someone claims that someone is, is banned from GDQ, like, don't believe them. <laughs> it's yeah. like, often true. <laughs> Uh, but no, that's fun. That was that was uh, fun fun to cover. You a question I had too. Um, you've now done a few of these uh, a few of these games, uh, you know, multiple times at these events, and you've done Human Revolution multiple times. You've done uh, the original Deus Ex multiple times. Uh, I wanted to ask do you: Do you always submit all of the games every time, or do you have like a, a strategy to your like now it is time once again for human revolution? <laughs> I don't really have a strategy, I just submit all the games I run during that time. So basically, this GDQ, I also submitted all the Deus Ex games like Mankind Divided, Human Revolution, Deus Ex One, and I also added Tomb Raider Anniversary and also Tiberium Sun mm. uh, before I submitted Metal Gear Rising, for example. But when I stopped running it and I'm pretty out of the loop, so I would need to relearn everything. So I said, like, okay, I won't submit it for now. Uh, but I normally just submit all the games I run normally, and then I just let people decide it. And I know that most of the time people say, like, hey, okay, we had this X last year, so it won't come in this year, and I don't expect it to come in. Uh, but I just still submit it just in case people are not submitting or something like a backup run happens and things like this. The same is, like, with Cluster Truck, like... Uh, I mean, I can understand that people say, like, okay, we only accept five games, mm. because I am one of the person, I'm like, hey, here are all my games, here are the nine games I can run, let me run anything, and I'm like, oh, and there people are like, dude, calm down, just pick five. <laughs> but I think it's also good to point out, too, is that you never know, um, you never know what the games committee for any of these events is, is mm. looking for, you know, they, they, they have a, an idea of what they're trying to put together, but they can only put that together uh, if you give them the opportunity to do so, uh, but you don't, you don't really know when they're going to be ready again because you don't know what their perception of is, or what the time slots they're trying to fill, what kind of blocks they're trying yeah. to make. Um, and so the answer, generally speaking, is you know just submit, just just do it. You know, yeah. like if, if you if you'd want to do it, then you know the only way to make that happen is to is to put that submission in there. Um, so. Uh, Two of the games that we talked about were games that had come out before you got into speedrunning. Human Evolution had been out to the point that the director's cut came out, you know. Uh, and then, of course, yeah. Deus Ex has, has been out for quite some time. Uh, but there was another game that you mentioned that came out uh, at, probably after you started speedrunning, which was which was Mankind Divided, which seems to have a sort of mixed reception, I feel like, in, in, uh, in, in the larger... Uh, gaming consciousness. I think it's a great game. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. Mankind Divided. I, yeah, it, I, I threw every refrigerator in Prague into every courtyard, <laughs> and uh, that's how they knew I was there. Yeah. What was your mm-hmm. What were your feelings about Mankind Divided generally, and then how did it go as a speedrun game? So I think Mankind Divided also is a great game. I enjoyed it as well when I was playing it casually. I think the the part people are upset about is the story, and mm-hmm. I can totally understand that point. Like. The uh, if you compare it to Human Revolution or Deus Ex One, the 
the level or what people expect is pretty high so i can understand that people are frustrated and i mean the idea behind mankind divider was also to divide it in three different games to finish the story so that you have more content in one area and you can just explore it and i really enjoyed the new approach that they made Prague like the main hub instead yeah. of dividing it into hangsha and detroit like mm. they did in human revolution and you always come back to an area you're familiar with but with smaller changes like when with the riots happening with the police stopping you to go out of on the street and I, I i liked it i had my fun with it especially with the ending like i can understand that people didn't enjoy that because of the story part and i agree on the story part but the game in general and with a new approach i had my fun with and obviously how it is with speedruns and people trying to become quick and famous uh, there were suddenly a lot of new runners yeah. picking up Mankind Divided and saying like, hey, I want to run this. It's just brand new. And I was thinking like, okay, I'm just going to enjoy and play it casually and chill out. And then I'm going to do some routing with friends and check like what kind of bugs and glitches are there. We had also people from QA from um, Idols Montreal who came into the Discord and said like, hey, we've, we have some discoveries for the game, but we can't tell you them yet because... The game is not out yet, but once it is out and we have the two weeks contract terminated, we can tell you everything we found out during QA. And they did. And we found some cool strats like how to dupe weapons, how to go out of bounds in the sewer system, and many, many more. And like stacking objects and hovering. It, it was really cool. Wow. That's really... <laughs> so one of my questions I was going to ask was, you know, as as sort of especially a, a visible... Deus Ex and 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 you know and, and Human Revolution Mankind about it speedrunner. Had you had any contact with um, more likely with Edos Montreal, you know, since they're still around. I don't know if you've had any interactions with. Um, God, what's the name? Is it Ion Storm? Is that the the original Deus Ex uh, developer? Or did I get that name wrong? I yeah, I think there. it's yeah, it's Ion Storm. Right, yeah. um, but like, so you've already answered that question a little bit in terms of. Uh, QA people uh, getting involved. Have you had any other interactions besides this? Um, this I, I've never heard of that before, though, of QA coming into a speedrun Discord and yeah. being like, once the contract's up, we got stuff. Yeah, I was surprised, too. I was like, oh, that is some cool shit, so they can give us intel during testing, and what they found during QA, which did not get fixed, but uh, they said, like, yeah, it's low priority, we're not gonna fix it. Right. Uh, uh, but other interactions I had was basically just them retweeting that, hey, I'm going to do a run at GDQ. Okay. And and another one where I was surprised, but I, I was like excited and found it cool, was when I officially announced on Twitter that I'm going to be a father and that I'm getting married. And even the Deus Ex social account said, like, congratulations with like the black heart and the yellow heart from the, the Human Revolution design mm. and the Mankind Divided design. I was like damn okay that is cool <laughs> yeah i mean someone's got i guess someone's got you in the in the list of uh deus ex community creators i guess or something like that yeah. uh maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah that's oh, interesting cool that's that's really that's neat too that they especially approached it reaching out to the community i think sometimes you know it can, can be the sort of case where, where you know a, a social media manager will do the things like you know retweeting gdq appearances and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. and that is good it's definitely appreciated yeah. that sort of visibility um but you know that sort of specific effort coming into a, a discord or something like that I, I feel like i've seen that more yeah. often with uh indie games than i necessarily yeah, exactly. have with um you know something that's you know a bigger 
I guess is, is mankind divided to triple A. Mankind divided triple A, right? We can call it triple A. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, counted as triple A. I remember <laughs> that, like with Human Revolution, it was the same because it's like a huge studio and it's uh, also a pop. Published by Square Enix. Yeah, by, published, published by Square or, Enix as well. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I just, I yeah, just always, uh, I'm, I'm never sure, like what, what you know, like Square Enix. I feel like is like the weirdest AAA publisher to the point where, like, are they AAA? They're AAA, but like they're also very weird. Yeah. No one names yeah. games like Square Enix. The front of every, all their games just have completely messed up names, and I love it. I just, I never get tired of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a bit. Uh, I don't know, like. I don't mind Square Enix, but mm. at the same time, they destroyed many of my favorite games when I think of Tomb Raider of, or Deus Ex, like the way they say like, hey, Mankind Divided didn't do as many sales as we wanted because it's not Final Fantasy. And uh, I, I'm just thinking like, of course it's not Final Fantasy. Of course it's like a different genre. It's a different game. But they kind of expect to get the same impact and then they drop the project. Like when I think of Hitman, that, um, uh, what is the... IO Interactive? Yeah, thank you. IO Interactive, that they dropped them off the leash and said, like, okay, you get your game, do whatever you want with that. I found that a really cool move, that they allowed them to keep everything and work on it. But uh, when, when I think of Tomb Raider or with Deus Ex, that they just said, like, you didn't do the sales, so you're out. Like, mixed. I have mixed feelings about that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's extremely apt to bring up that criticism. I think Square Enix was one of a number of publishers, especially in the early 2010s that had uh, pretty much absurd sales goals, I feel like. I mean, this is yeah. a general problem with business people, is that instead of making ends meet, they demand exponential growth. I mean, this is a problem in, in, pub- in publishing broadly, yeah. in journalism. You know, if you're not you know, loading things up with all sorts of junk and, and achieving exponential growth, you're not really uh, you know, living life right, which is why it's exciting mm-hmm. to see stuff where you know, people are doing more co-ops, more, more owned things, stuff like yeah. that. I mean, right. Well, the thing you said about you know Deus Ex and Tomb Raider, I immediately think of you know, especially because I think we've we, we've both watched GTA speedruns. Uh, you know, people love Sleeping Dogs, and Sleeping Dogs was exactly. yeah. famously a franchise that never came a franchise because uh, it, it it's so weird. Like they they released the definitive edition, but they they didn't look into that you know the success that they achieved and said this is worth making a a, a sequel. And at this point, it's too late because yeah. that studio's gone now. You know, you can't. Yeah. You, you let the the door close on that um and it's unfortunate you know i, I definitely uh i have been eagerly awaiting more news from edos montreal on what they're going to do uh and uh i've i feel like i've seen them involved in a few small projects but i haven't seen anything big from them and that's you know it's concerning i they're a talented studio and i, I hope to see something more from them soon yeah, like, uh, what I wanted to edit, like, there are two things. Uh, the first thing is, like, because of Square Enix. Like, I remember one of the devs even saying, like, hey, um, like, anonymously, like, yeah, at the end, like, when one week before releasing Mankind Divided, Square Enix told them to put microtransactions in. And mm. they were like, what? Why would we do that? We It's a single-player game. We don't need that, and we need to fix it. And they said, like, we don't care. Put in a microtransaction system with, like, money and Praxis kits and maybe some other things, and we'll do that. This was the same with um, Augment Your Pre-Order, which completely flopped, and it was all pushed by Square Enix saying, like, hey, you guys need to make sales, and you do that now. And it was so odd, and it's, it's just unfortunate that... Square Enix pushed that, and then it was set. It's the same with uh, Sleeping Dogs. I love the game as well. And then they said, like, oh, hey, it just made 
4 million and it didn't even get to the minimum of 5 or 6 what they wanted and because of that we're dropping it and I was like excuse me but it's a hit like people enjoyed it and yeah. it sold many times but this is how the gaming industry works right right yeah and, it is. go ahead yeah and besides that like uh, I'm not sure how up to date it is but I remember the the voice actor for the for Adam Jensen Elias to Felix he made long long time ago uh, after after Mankind Divided came out and people were saying like hey what is when is the Deus De- new Deus Ex coming out he mentioned some message um men- mentioned Jesus Christ <laughs> he mentioned that they are still working on it but oh. he can't give further details okay. but I'm not sure how up to date that is or mm, if they actually sure. dropped it I think it was like in 2018 or 2019 so I don't know what is happening with this X series or if Mankind Divider is going to be the last one, but I guess we will find out at some point. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to have to wait and see. I definitely I imagine a lot of these studios experienced disruptions on account of the pandemic. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, things are probably probably pushed back. Hopefully something will happen. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, I'm I'm, I'm I have. This is definitely not an interview where I haven't played the games. I've played all. Of, well, not I haven't played Invisible War. I played all the other Deus Ex games, so I'm definitely. How dare you? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't finish Invisible War. I started like ten minutes, and no. I was like, nope, I'm good. I don't need to actually play this. Um. Oh, so you played the fall? Okay, no, I did not play the fall. Come on. Okay, gotcha. Come on, come on. No one played the fall. All right, no, don't. Did you? You? I mean, I know. I I looked at your speedrun.com profile, so I know you played the fall. Like I know yeah. you have, but like, did you enjoy it? Did you really want to play the fall? I, I'm. I mean, I even though people didn't like it, I had my fun time for two hours and was like, wait, that's it. But it was a new. It was like human revolution. It tried to be like it. It was just. In many aspects, worse. But I was like, "Hey, a new Deus Ex. I'm okay with that." <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we'll 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 see where that goes. Let's um let's start winding down the uh, the sort of formal part of. The- oh, actually, you know what? Actually, I did want to touch on Tiberian Sun. Um, no. Now we, we we already talked about how you know PCRTS was like a foundational thing for you. You played Age of Empires, played games like Tiberian Sun. Um, w- when did you get into speedrunning these games, though? Like, what prompted that? I-, I think you mentioned it earlier, but I just wanted to touch on it again. What? How do you ended up cu- getting? Because Tiberian Sun, pretty different than uh, you know, than Deus Ex. Yeah, definitely. So back then, um, Vicotti was making a run at ESA, right? Or he okay. was basically he was yeah he was basically doing runs on. On his channel, and I watched it. And I was like, "Oh, RTS, it's super cool. I like uh, Tiberium Sun." And I watched the run. I remember him doing like an eight or nine hour stream of just Tiberium Sun doing the North campaign. I was like, so fascinated. I was watching it on my second screen while playing Walker Free fun maps with with a friend of mine, and I just enjoyed it. And during ESA, they also showed it with Afox, like another runner, where they put away the, the speed limit. So, okay, so there's one technical thing with Tiberium Sun. If you put it on the second fastest speed limit, it is limited. But if you put it on the first one, which is the fastest, it will take as much CPU as your power, uh, computer provides. It is absolutely hilarious how the run looks, because you just click and suddenly the units are there, and mm-hmm. you just they just speed run everywhere. 
and they basically did a showcase like that at ESA. Uh, that category is kind of not really a thing. It, yeah. it was a cool showcase, though, but it, it was kind of hilarious to see that game being run in 15 minutes if you just do everything correctly. Uh, but since then, I knew how to run, and I said, like, I want to learn it, but I just couldn't get into it yet because I was, like, having other projects. I started Metal Gear Rising, I started Tomb Raider Anniversary, I started San Andreas, and I was like, okay, I want to stick to the games I have right now and later on maybe go to Tiberium Sun. And two years ago, I started to play through RTS games on stream, and I, I picked also Tiberium Sun, played through it, and was like... This was so much fun to play. Okay, it's time. Now that I have the game on my uh, on my hard drive and I have everything prepared, let's learn the run. And then I started learning the run. And when you came to the run, did it already... So, the, I w- I'm going to shout out the thing. I watched it, the, the VOD that you sent me, which was your, um, your Tiberian Sun Nod campaign, RTA. Mm-hmm. And the thing that jumps out at me, and I assume the thing that would jump out at anyone as like the signature glitch of this run, is that it appears... That you can just stick that filthy hand of Nod wherever you want to on the map, uh, to the point that you know you're spawning rocket troopers behind people, you're spawning engineers, capturing buildings, etc. Was that trick already in the game when you picked it up? Yes, it was already in the game when I picked it up. So back then, but that is that is interesting. Interesting part, Cody didn't do that glitch back then because okay. he did not run it in window mode. He just has so how the trick works is you run it in window mode and then you skip the the checkup for can you place a building there yes or no and you can just spawn it anywhere you want. Mm. And he was, if I remember correctly, he was running it in full uh, full screen mode and he used a different trick where you can build a building behind the the menu bar, like where you select your uh, okay. what yeah. construction you want to do. And then you can use the arrow keys to move and place the building wherever you want. So that was like the backup. But the faster way is to use the old tap glitch because you can just point anywhere with your mouse so Cody didn't do that but he told me about it and then I looked it up and I started to figure out how it works and then I just basically yeah learned to run that way and it, it is it, it is the signature move and it is hilarious just that you can spawn the buildings anywhere the fun fact about that is you can do it in multiplayer as well ah. so if you if you if you play against someone who uses the retail version, because in the later versions it got fixed, okay. you can just spawn buildings in his base and you will be like, what is happening? Why is there the enemy base here? <laughs> like, it's pretty good. Oh, so it's interesting. So the so the, the speed, this is a case where the speedrun version is a down-patched version. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, you can still play a multiplayer with old and new versions. Mm. So if someone plays on the older version, he can do the trick and the, the person on the newest version can't. It's, it's kind of hilarious. So I remember I played it with a friend of mine. We started a multiplayer game and we said, like, we figured out how to do the old tap glitch. That was before I even learned the speedrun. And we started to make a multiplayer game against each other. And it just ended with with us placing buildings anywhere and it took an hour until we finished it was, it was hilarious <laughs> good good i mean that's a i feel like that's the old the old-fashioned thing and when you're playing multiplayer rts is that you just uh especially like against your friends and you're not particularly good at it, you just start like hiding buildings and in, in places just so you don't lose the match technically speaking you yeah. know it's the old the old classic maneuver um all right let's start heading for the exit so folks the way things are going to work 
is that I got a few exit questions as we get to the end of the, the script here. Uh, when I wrap that up, there will be Q&A. Uh, I think there was already one question earlier, which I'm going to use. I think, yeah, Ma- Magic mm-hmm. put a question in there that I'm going to use for the, the Q&A portion. But before we get there, one of the things I like to do is add a little connective tissue to the interview series, uh, which means I get a question from my previous guest before my next guest, and I carry that forward, so on and so forth. Uh, my previous guest was uh, was Kona Konosumi, and uh, Konosumi had this question. They didn't know it was going to be you, but they knew it was okay. going to be a speedrunner. Question was, uh, what speed game, doesn't have to be one of your speed games, what mm-hmm. speed game do you feel deserves more recognition, and why? Hmm. I'm... Hmm. Yeah, there. <laughs> now I have to think of it because there are multiple games which pop up in my head. Mm. But I would say, yeah, I mean, it, it's it is kind of famous, but I would say it's Quake. Like I still mm. think that it deserves more love for being an old game, but being like kind of like one of the favorite or famous shooters in FPS, and with all the movement technique. Mm, it is great to watch. I, I just love to see that and always like to have it on a marathon because it's the, it's like this fast movement paced game that I like to enjoy or which has got me into speedrunning as well when I see it. And I think like I want to try it and I think it deserves more love. Um, uh, but there's also Fury when I think of it because even though it is an indie game and it's been on GDQ now twice, I think it's still not as big and popular maybe maybe i'm wrong but i i've seen only a couple of runners here and there and i think it deserves some love as well because it's just so cool to watch it since it's kind of like a devil may cry clone with boss fights and i enjoy those yeah, yeah i think bringing up quake is, is a good point because i i hear about quake when you talk about like speedrunning history quake of mm. course has a very central place as a game that you could share demos in you know it facilitated yeah. the easy sharing of runs uh that's you know speed demos archive famously rooted in quake uh but it doesn't like there isn't a quake block <laughs> at you know at most yeah. events there isn't a quake block in the way that there is mario mega man uh yeah, you know right. or, or other platformers or, or you know other other games um and so you know i i kind of agree i definitely i've i have found myself off stream playing more old first person shooters and just being like, wow, you know, I could just, I could just do some more of these to, to watch them. So I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that sentiment. That does mean that I do need from you a question for my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is just yet. They are, of course, a speedrunner. Question does not have to be about speedrunning. Could be about anything. I've had music questions, food questions, travel mm-hmm. questions. Do you have a question for my next guest? Yeah, I'm just wondering if someone asked it, but. If you could, like, for for the next person, like, if you could go back in time, what would you do differently to approach speedrunning? Like, how would you learn it? How would you approach streaming? Would you change something if you go for submissions, if you went for a marathon? Something like that. It would be interesting to see, like, what would people do differently from before or what they learned through doing the, uh, going for marathons or through the process of learning through speedrunning. Yeah, no, I, I think I've had, I think I've had some variation on that before, but I think it was, it was targeted to a specific game. And I think, uh, adding in the, the flavor of streaming or marathon submissions, I Mm -hmm. think will be very interesting because I think, and I think it'll also be very interesting for my next guest who I think has had 
in the past year or two, very, very good bit of success. So I'll definitely be curious uh, to hear from okay, them. Cool. I want to DM you uh, who my next guest is. Right. Uh, I'll be curious if you reckon. I, I think I've seen more than the, more of this person around. Do you recognize this name? I DM'd it to you. Yeah, I see it, but uh, they're, maybe? they're known for uh, these two series. Uh, and they've they've been at they they ran at uh, both uh, AGDQ and SGDQ 2020. They got a run into the upcoming SGDQ 2021. I think they made partner in the past oh, year okay. too. So. Um, okay, definitely excited cool. to talk to them. That'll be, I think they'll be on Thursday, and I'll I'll, I'll be posting mm-hmm. for for you know I guess overboost regular fans. I'll be posting the schedule later today on on when that mm-hmm. interview will be and who that'll be with. So you can all look forward to that. Uh, we already talked a little bit about the future and the the hopeful future in which you know mm-hmm. more more Deus Ex games come out. Uh, are there games that you are looking forward to that you're interested in playing? Uh, I think maybe because I became a parent, or yeah. maybe because I <clears throat> just going more and more into nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are not many new games I'm looking forward to. Like obviously, every time when I read that there's a new RTS game coming out, I'm always hyped. Like the last time I had that was with Grey Goo, uh, which was like uh, side project, uh, like an old game, uh, like 2016, 2017. I think it came out. I had my fun with it and I enjoyed it. <clears throat> last year for example it was with command and conquer with the remaster division mm, edition i yeah. was like oh yes I- i'm looking forward to that and immediately got it when when it was available mm, but besides that i i'm not even sure what games are coming out this year and i'm just like going through and like oh hey there's a new game it looks interesting okay i'm gonna get it and play it but it's yeah. not like that i'm really looking forward to one specific game like last year it was command conquer but this year i'm not even sure what's on the list <laughs> no i mean that's fair i think it's also apt to point out too and i find this to be the case for me as well like getting older is that rather than attaching myself to a particular uh, series or a developer that I'm getting better mm-hmm. at articulating broadly what I want in a game, the kind of gameplay that interests me. Um, and mm-hmm. so that means that I'm not beholden to hoping that another Deus Ex comes out yeah. or something like that. I can look at indies and be like, this is yeah. my thing, or alternatively, this is not my thing. You know, I can also yeah. just very, very quickly say no. Um, how about. Who should, if you could put more eyeballs on someone automatically, if you could just say more people should watch so-and-so, who are some people you would mm-hmm. shout out? So, I mean, obviously I would shout out the DSX community because there are a couple of new runners who recently got into that or since last year. That would be Koyotl, for example. He's a Russian speedrunner who's doing a lot of DSX series and he's like grinding every day, doing new... Uh, breakthroughs in his personal best so i'm looking really forward to that and it's really cool to see him improve and watch him then there's also house test from the deus ex community he's doing a lot of metal gear now but he started with film revolution as well he started this year with speedrunning and it's he's he's a cool guy i enjoy watching him and uh, found him through that as well um but besides that i would also say the command and conquer uh, community like there's Oil of the Great for example who's doing a lot of remastered speedruns of Command and Conquer which has its own strategies and ways of to approach the game and also would shout out to Kataref who is doing who is basically famous for doing Tomb Raider speedruns based mm-hmm. back when he did Valkyria Chronicles for example that's how I found him mm-hmm. 
but uh, he also does Okami with a top dog uh, speedrun, which is basically get all the achievement, which is like an eight to nine hour runs, and it's it's incredible to see him have the stamina to go through that. It's just amazing. Cool. Now I recently played Okami for the first time casually, and that is a okay. very fun game. Yeah. Now, if people are looking for your stuff, I know, of course, you're busy. We've already gone over uh, all the ways in which you are busy, uh, you know, with um, <laughs> you know, with with family and martial arts and your day job. But if people are looking for you and they wanna they wanna see whatever fresh hanky uh, content comes their or hanky content comes their way, uh, where should they be looking? I mean, the the most active part. I am on this Twitch, so I still stream here and there whenever I have the time. Like, even if it's just an hour, I just put the TV, uh, put the stream on, stream for an hour. Even nowadays, sometimes a bit of more casual because it's easier when my wife calls me or my daughter is screaming, I can immediately just go away during mm-hmm. a run. It would kind of suck if I just lose a PB sure. because of that. But I wouldn't mind that either. So mostly on Twitch. Uh, on Twitter, I mostly actively post stuff. And my YouTube is just... Um, old highlights from my Twitch because Twitch is deleting them, so I just mm-hmm. basically yeah. post everything there. So that's all. <laughs> shout outs to the shout outs to the mess that not only is copyright law, but also the yeah. mechanisms by which private organizations uh, enforce their shadow versions of copyright law. Uh, now, of course, I mm. posted those links uh, in the chat if you're here with us live, so you can you know click through and get those from the chat. Uh, if you're watching or listening to this after the fact. Uh, check the show notes, check the YouTube description. You'll be able to find all the links. Uh, you know, please follow or subscribe or uh, actually, I guess those are the two verbs because Twitch and Twitter is follow and YouTube is subscribe. The verbs never make mm. any sense, but do those things. You should you should definitely do them. Heinke, uh, uh, thank you so much for giving me all this time. We definitely unearthed a lot of great stories. I really appreciate you sharing all those with me. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Also, one shout out before I forget it, because I I want to thank the person who got me into it, which is Xoneris, because I I knew about the show mm-hmm. and I hear the tear in there when I'm working, but I didn't know that you can submit for it. And then you brought it to my attention. I was like, okay, well, sure, why not? <laughs> no, so shout I, out to him as well. <laughs> I'm glad that worked out. You know, I I I. I uh, for a while, I had just been reaching out to people because uh, I, I, you know, speedrun uh, speed interview podcast is not a new format of a show, but uh, it's not necessarily something that I think is like uh, a huge a huge numbers driver. So, and I often worry that I kind of have it can come across as like clout chasing or something like that. Uh, but at this mm. point, you know, I'm 50 episodes in, and like really, I just love watching speedrun vods, discovering new games, mm. new runs finding out how people got into it i find it to be really interesting so i just kind of do it for myself yeah, at this point uh you know but i'm glad that other people enjoy it I certainly appreciate zanaris um you know reaching out to you letting you know about the form i had only made the form about uh, a month or two ago because a, another yeah, runner <laughs> another runner reached out to me and they're like how can i like let you know i'm interested in like you know in a discreet way you know because people can mm-hmm. people have dm'd me and been like i'm interested yeah. but like you know, that can be, some people aren't going to be comfortable doing that. So having a form, you know, mm. is, is a nice way of doing that. So uh, certainly if you are listening and you're a speedrunner and you'd want to talk to me, yeah. and, you know, share your stories. Uh, I also link that form uh, in the show notes as well. Uh, so you can definitely check that out. Now, before we get to the Q&A to round out our, our time together, I do need one more thing from you, uh, which is that I'm going to use a cheesy catchphrase like let's boost on out of here. And when I say that, I want you to give me your best rocket engine noise. 
Jesus Christ! How does a rocket engine sound? I mean, that's that's you're you're the artist. This is your interpretation. Right. Okay. I'll think of something. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening. Let's boost on out of here. Yeah. <laughs>
whenever I just pick up a PC, I can just immediately start doing a run without worrying about I need to load my setup, I need to change the keys, and so on. Uh, but yeah, I think that would be it when it comes to the keyboard setup. <laughs> no, it's really interesting, I think, especially with older games, and older games where you have weird engine-specific tricks... Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you've already talked that you're able to map them. Some some games can be difficult mm-hmm. to to remap yeah. as well. Uh, but definitely. Oh, here's a question. I've not tried to speedrun Deus Ex, uh, but mm-hmm. if we're gonna do weird weird keyboard speedrun questions. Do you have any speedruns that necessitate the use of the numpad? Uh, I mean, all the SX games they are do? used for the numpad. Okay. Yeah, because of uh, you you have the hacking devices where oh, you need to hacking. put the codes in. And the easiest way to put them in is using the numpad because okay. you can use both hands to immediately put in the correct code. Mm-hmm. And it's just way faster than using the one above your normal right. letter keys. So th- that is what you basically use them for. And also, I maybe my setup is a bit weird, but in Deus Ex 1, you can have multiple setups for quick saving and quick loading. And I have two of them on the numpad because one is the so-called glitchy save, which okay. you use to eliminate a script from executing and if you accidentally do that during a run it can happen that you soft lock so i try to have it as far away as possible from the other keys so that i don't accidentally press on it and yeah that, that is basically what i have on the numpad <laughs> no that's good well chat chat is failing me with questions here so i'm gonna ask one of the <laughs> questions that i ended up leaving out of the the main script which is uh, there are a lot of really cool. Uh, all right, here we go. Magi gave another one. Uh, have you? Do you have experience with System Shock and System Shock Two? Are, are they just yeah. Deus Ex games? <laughs> I haven't played them actually. Oh. I, have, I have them. In, I have them in my list though because people always compare them. And sure. the Twitch team we have called O Four Five One is basically how it started. Like we look through the games which have that code uh, at the first door frame, it became like the thing, like, System Shock has it, Deus Ex have it, has mm. it. Uh, other games have it, I think in one Resident Evil, maybe they have it, or I'm oh. mistaken. But there, but there's even a, uh, a page which Suicide Machine made, where he listed all the games which have the 0451 code in. And there are many, I know that, I remember that. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't. I had never heard of that before, but I'm very intrigued now. I'll have to look up that that list. Uh, yeah, I'll tr- that's cool. I'll try to find it right now. I've definitely, I've sure definitely run into. To, I've run into Suicide Machine in a few places. Although the funniest was <laughs> when I I started speedrunning this old F- FBS called Dire Nakatomi Plaza, and mm-hmm. uh, and Sui was the uh, was a moderator for it without yeah. ever having done a run. And like I submitted a run and immediately. Run was verified. Suddenly, I was moderator. <laughs> and, which, like, congratulations! Props you got to, to, you props got to, to Suey. Like, obviously, I'm sure Suey was waiting for someone to come along to you know, because yeah. you you know you want a moderator to be someone who runs the game. So yeah, the curse has been mm-hmm. passed on. That's exactly right. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Deus Ex trick? And I'm going to ask that broadly. You can pick from any of the games: Human Revolution, Mankind Divided, mm-hmm. the original. What is your favorite piece of tech? Because there's so many p- tricks. Yeah. Um, my most favorite, I think, is still the Super Jump in Deus Ex 1, which is basically just go into the game options, go out while you have an um, augmentation on, and it will just multiply because the script is 
always applying the augmentation over and over, and that's why you can do the high jumps. I think that's this is a very easy trick, and it's the most hilarious one because we can break the game by just jumping over. Uh, obstacles or walls or anything the game is putting in the way and we don't care we just yeah okay we just jump over it and we're done or like with the in the old route where you just jump on the tower to talk with the npc which was placed there so you don't find him before doing the mission it's kind of hilarious no that's that is a good one and also especially because that enables that particular trick enables a lot of other funny things too, like finding people who are just loaded in in places yeah. you're not supposed to get to. Like, isn't it like the in the the guy on top of the tower? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that exactly. Is, that is the one. Yeah. Or like uh, on one, they did the mapping wrongly. So if you jump behind the building, there's like a poster of like some uh, face clinic operation thing, and it's completely filled with that and when i found it the first time i was like excuse me but why is that there like what is going on like why is the wallpaper posted there uh, but it's just a uh, uv uv m mapping issue they did in the game so it's kind of hilarious all right well it, we're just about wrapped up which means uh, i do have one final question for you uh, I don't know how many of my i don't know how many viewers are, are with us here on my channel versus how many are on the front page but who can I raid? How who should we go raid right now? Do you have a target for me? Who should we raid? Let me check quickly. Uh, I see. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, we were talking about Suicide Machine, and mm. he's actually streaming. He's not doing a run, but he's doing Morrowind right now. All right, uh, we'll, we'll queue that up. Yeah, uh, but besides that, there's Sarah Def, who's doing Dishonored, any percent runs. I mean, it's your choice. I'm gonna give you the the choice here. What do you do? You wanna? Okay, let's let's go to Suicide Machine because okay. he's one of the first friends and person I met since speedrunning, and that was mm. in 2013. So I know him for eight years, and he's a good friend I met through the internet. So all right, let's let's go over there. <laughs> well, I'm gonna queue that up now. Uh, get that going. Uh, thank you again so much for all this time. Uh, hopefully, I, you know, I might see you around in the future at events when we all start going to events again. And uh, just yeah. you know, have a great rest of your day. And then, <laughs> I guess it, 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 you know, enjoy the time. Enjoy the uh, the the time of being a new parent. Seems like an exciting thing. So hopefully, all goes well for you. Thank you very much. And once again, thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you so much. Take care. All right. Bye bye.